Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher. I am a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting, trading, scouting, and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. On episode number 109, we're going to review week number six in the NFL. Week six definitely was a strange one with a few big upsets, some low-scoring duels, some blowout wins, and plenty of garbage time for a few teams in a comeback mode. The NFL games were overall like less than uh, exciting, <laughs> but apart from the overtime game between Houston and Tennessee, uh, even when NFL games are less than entertaining though, following our dynasty teams is a blast. So personally had a pretty mediocre week. I finished the week four and four. Not good, but like I always say, win or lose. It's a joy to watch football all weekend and cheer on all of our teams. So after following all the games this week, here are some of my thoughts on what I learned about week six and its impact on the dynasty value of our players and our teams. Overall observations for week number six, I'll start this first one and say uh, garbage time glory. (laughs) Garbage time glory. Man, Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz benefited fantasy teams while killing their NFL teams on Sunday. Cousins threw three interceptions in the first half, and Wentz and the Eagles were shut out in the first half. Both quarterbacks didn't lead their teams to a touchdown until halfway through the third quarter, but then each proceeded to rack rack up the uh, three touchdowns in garbage time. Cousins made Thielen's day respectable, though not great, with 51 yards in the touchdown, and he definitely skyrocketed Jefferson's fantasy day by giving him 166 yards and two touchdowns in garbage time. And Wentz did a lot of his damage uh, on the ground with 49 yards rushing and a touchdown. But he also helped carry Fulgham, <laughs> Travis Fulgham, to a 17-point fantasy game in garbage time. Man, these are the type of games that put Dynasty managers on tilt for sure. When they're lose- on the losing end of it, and they cause them to laugh when they're laugh out loud when they're on the winning end of it. Um, I'm in enough fantasy leagues that I felt both sides of this coin on Sunday. Pretty pretty painful. Watching garbage time points either wreck or float your fantasy team is one of the best and one of the worst feelings of playing fantasy football. And it was in full effect in these two games on Sunday. Second thing I thought uh, took away from this week was the third year's a charm. I'll call it the third year's a charm. The third year's a charm for Ronald Jones. Uh, he clearly won the lead running back role in Tampa Bay, and despite the rookie uh, they, they drafted, Keyshawn Vaughn, and the two free agents that they signed, Leonard Fournette and LaShawn McCoy, he's won the role. Uh, after two terrible years, he's bounced back to really become an every-week fantasy starter with quickly rising uh, dynasty value as well. He touched the ball 20 to 26 times each of the last three weeks. He's looked explosive on the ground, breaking many long runs, and he's also had really hard runs running guys over to get first downs. It looked really impressive. While he struggled with drops, Brady continues to throw him the ball, and he's averaging almost three receptions per game this year. It never looked like he was going to get there, but Jones has moved into the class of great running backs drafted into the 2018 rookie class with Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb. 
rather than the class that he was with in the 2018 bust category of Royce Freeman, Carrion Johnson, Rashad Penny, and Sony Michelle. Looks like he's moved from that bust class to the great class. Better late uh, than never. We'll take it here on this third year. Third observation, I'll call, uh, I'm calling it Tanalicious. <laughs> Tanalicious. Tennessee's uh, fantastic end of the season and playoff run last year uh, after Tannehill became the starter has really carried it over, over to this year. It's impossible to call it a fluke any longer. It really is. It's impossible to call it a fluke. Tannehill's come off the bench to become a top 12 quarterback. He's scored the ninth most average points per game, 24.6, coming into Sunday, and then he added to that average by scoring 32 fantasy points in an overtime win against Houston. He's completing 70% of his passes, averaging 273 yards per game and 2.6 touchdowns per game. It's incredible. Defenses have to stack the box against Derrick Henry, just giving Tannehill all the simple looks he needs on play-action passes. The stud wide receiver, A.J. Brown, is back from injury, and then his new uh, stud tight end, Johnny Smith, has really matured into one of the best run-after-catch tight ends in the league. All signs are pointing uh, to, to Tannehill um, and the undefeated Titans becoming just a powerhouse. There's no need to feel dirty starting him anymore in your lineups, which you kind of always felt before. Uh, the fact is he's, he is the real deal right now. Next thing I observe, I'll call it can't handle the heat. Can't handle the heat. Second and third year quarterbacks Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield are playing poorly, and they're taking the dynasty value of their talented pass catchers down with them. Jones managed to connect with Slayton um, for one touchdown, but other than that, and a very long run that he had, he only threw for 112 yards. 112 yards. Like, that's really hard to do in the 2020 NFL season. We're talking about a pass-happy NFL, and he threw for 112 yards. Jones is averaging only 203 yards passing per game, and he's thrown twice as many interceptions, six to touchdowns, three, in his six games. He's scoring less than 13 fantasy points per game. As for Mayfield, he's averaging even fewer passing yards per game, 183 per game. He's thrown 10 touchdowns, so that's kind of helped him. But like Jones, he's had six interceptions. Mayfield is just scoring 14 fantasy points per game, and neither quarterback is startable in one quarterback leagues. And while they probably need to be started in two quarterback leagues and superflex leagues, let's get check this out: 21 nine uh, non-quarterbacks are averaging more points than Mayfield. So there's 21 players you could start ahead of Mayfield in a superflex league. And then when it comes to Jones, there's 50, 50 non-quarterbacks are averaging more points per game than than Jones. Pretty crazy. And then what's worse, you know, for all of that, is that these quarterbacks are dragging down the pass catchers on their teams, making them really on-the-bubble players every week when making start-sit decisions. It's hard to decide which of the, you know, receivers or tight ends in Cleveland or in New York that you want to start on a regular basis. These quarterbacks are making it pretty hard to start them. Fifth thing, and this won't be brief, the fifth thing I observed, I'll call it tight end changes. I'm going to say more about this uh, when I talk about players that are available on the waiver wire, but there are a few new battles for for targets and snaps in the tight end groups of a few teams. 
Miami and Indianapolis and Houston have tight ends that have scored two touchdowns in the last two games. In a position group that's super, super muddy, like I wrote about and talked about last week, the kind of middle of the pack players, maybe one of these guys could emerge to become a reliable starter. We'll talk about that here when I talk about the waiver wire. Let's move on to week six injuries. A um, couple that we had here. Miles Sanders, which kills me because I have him in multiple leagues, one of my favorite players. Sanders hurt his knee after another 100-yard day. Early indications are that he will miss several weeks of play. He is getting an MRI today. Boston Scott took the bulk of the snaps after Sanders left the game, and he should continue to do so. Sanders is sidelined for a few weeks. Corey Clement will see an increase in his touches too, but it shouldn't make much of a fantasy impact in my opinion. Sanders' supreme talent is really the only reason why he's performing well in this Philadelphia's awful offense. Their their offense is horrible, (laughs) but Sanders is good enough to make something of it. Breaking off very long runs has kept him alive. I really don't think that Scott's good enough to maintain fantasy relevance in Philadelphia until some of the pass catchers get back from injury so the offense can sustain drives and do better. Right now, uh, they just can't, except in garbage time, so... I don't see this uh, really Scott becoming an every-week starter. He'd be a, a fringe guy. Corey Clement, he's going to get some more opportunities, but his time's over, as we'll talk about uh, shortly. Zach Ertz, uh, he hurt his ankle in the game after another painful fantasy day. He's getting uh, plenty of targets, but he's not turned them into much for several weeks in a row now. It's awful to watch. Goddard managers, like myself, <laughs> hope that he can come back from his foot injury. And if he can, man, he will steal the tight end job permanently from Ertz right now. It's so rare to see a tight end fall off and fade so quickly, but Ertz just doesn't look like the superstar that he was for the last few years. If Goddard can return while Ertz misses time, everyone will see the difference in their athletic ability. And if Goddard and Ertz remain on the injury report... I just say there's not a tight end in Philadelphia worth rostering on any dynasty teams. I'm not going after anyone. I'm hoping that Ertz gets sidelined for a while, Goddard comes back healthy, and just takes this job straight away. Uh, sad for those teams that I have that have Ertz without Goddard. Very happy for the teams that I have with with Goddard. Mark Ingram, another guy that got injured. Uh, he left the game with an ankle injury, giving J.K. Dobbins managers what they've been waiting for, waiting for this injury. However, Dobbins equally split the workload with Gus Edwards, who actually scored a touchdown. So Dobbins is by far the best dynasty asset, not even close. But Edwards is really a good talent, and he would be startable in fantasy lineups if Ingram misses time just for this year. Edwards kind of what I would call the inconvenient truth for Dobbins managers this year, even with Ingram injured. Dobbins is going to be the, the RB1. He's going to take that job in Baltimore. I just don't think it's going to be this year. And then finally, Raheem Mostert. Mostert was having a great game and was clearly the lead back in San Francisco before tweaking his ankle. The injury didn't look to be too serious. He even tried to return to the game, but ultimately was held out in the game where it felt like the 49ers were in pretty firm control. It's the same song and dance as earlier this year when Mostert was hurt. If he misses time, McKinnon becomes an every-week starter again. The good news for Mostert managers is that McKinnon Mostert were both healthy to start the game, and Mostert was a lead back, was dominating the touches. I really believe this will be true for the rest of the season when he comes back. He's just far better than McKinnon. Bummer that he just can't stay healthy. 
As for the waiver wire this week, we actually have some pretty good choices, I think, on the waiver wire. I think this might be the best week uh, that we've had as far as number of players that I'm interested in picking up. Just as a reminder, I do play in 27 to 30-man roster leagues, what I call true dynasty leagues. So if there's a player that I list here, it's really just for deep dynasty leagues. If you play in a shallower leagues, then certainly there's better players than these to pick up off the waiver wire. But that said, if uh, you are in true dynasty leagues, here's who I'd be looking up to pick up this week in 30-man rosters. I'm going to list them in the order that I prioritize them. First is Trey Burton. Burton has become the leading tight end in Indianapolis. While this season, uh, season, it's been a bit of a three-headed monster with Burton, Doyle, and Allie Cox, Burton has found favor with Coach Reich's eyes, and he's being really being schemed open on the passing game. And while Doyle's continued to out-snap him, and he did have an incredible touchdown catch of his own on Sunday, Burton is being used far more in the passing game. He's received 16 targets over the last three weeks compared to Doyle's six. So Trey Burton is being schemed open, targeted more, running more pass routes. Um, I really think that he has become the tight end one in Indianapolis, which Philip Rivers loves his tight ends, as does Frank Reich, like I've said. I was just wrong this whole time thinking that it would be Doyle. Turns out that it's been Trey Burton. It's time to hop on that train. Uh, he'd be my number one pickup for this week, even though they're on a bye week this week. Saying in Indianapolis, staying there. Second pickup this week would be Marcus Johnson. Marcus Johnson was re-signed by Indianapolis this week, and uh, they made him earn it on Sunday. Uh, he signed a new contract, and he had to earn it. He was the most targeted pass catcher with eight targets on Sunday, and he turned those eight targets into five receptions and 105 yards. Johnson has had excellent performances with the Colts before. I remember actually losing a fantasy playoff game to him two years ago to a manager had to, who had to start Johnson in a starting lineup. Pretty frustrating to lose in a playoff game to Marcus Johnson. But the fact is, really, T.Y. Hilton has just washed up. And Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, both high draft picks, they've really have yet to prove themselves. And I think I would really want to add Johnson to my roster just to see how he can finish this one-year contract that he signed and see if he can position himself for a more significant role next year. Third player that's on the wave of wire that I pick up is Darren Fells. Actually, in one league, uh, bye weeks and injuries caused me to pick up Fells off the waiver wire just before kickoff on Sunday, and I inserted him into my starting lineup right away. It paid off, though I'm still going to lose the game. <laughs> Jordan Aikens, who was playing ahead of Fells to start the year, it was really clear that he was, which is why I dropped him, actually, from several of my rosters. But Aikens yeah. continues to miss games with his injury, and Fells is filling in for him just fine, scoring a touchdown for the second week in a row this week. Um, he's playing well enough to muddy the tight end pecking order in Houston. As long as Aikens is injured, he's worth starting. But when Aikens comes back to play, I think it's going to be hard to do to start him with confidence. But he's going to see if he can kind of carve out a role and make himself be uh, a valuable asset ahead of Aikens. It's going to muddy the waters for sure the way that he's played. Fails would be someone I'd be adding in some leagues, but not all. Next, uh, another tight end, Adam Shaheen. He scored a touchdown. In back-to-back weeks, this week, he led the Dolphins and tied in targets. Pretty frustrating, but Gusecki continues to out-snap him more than 2-1, to one, which is why I wouldn't make Shaheen a top waiver wire priority, but I would consider adding him if I had a droppable player on my roster. Um, he was the second-round draft pick in 2017, so as the draft capital would suggest that he's a better player 
than he has been, then maybe he can make something kind of a revival of his career here in his second NFL team. Other player I'd consider is Jeremy McNichols. McNichols really looked excellent on Sunday. With Darrington Evans on IR, McNichols is a clear backup behind Derrick Henry. Henry often gets spelled on passing downs, giving McNichols opportunities to touch the ball. And he did seven times on Sunday, and he turned those into 7.2 fantasy points. He's likely not a long-term dynasty asset, but it could be helpful in a pinch this year. He was a fifth-round draft pick in 2017, uh, kind of bouncing in and out of the league, but now he just signed with Tennessee this year. I think he really has a chance to earn a permanent role with the team now that Darrington Evans is, is injured. So we'll see what happens. He's he's worth a late, late stab on our rosters. And finally, I'll just mention him here, Corey Clement. I do think Clement is worth a waiver add if Sanders' injury is serious. Um, he has had every opportunity to be a valuable dynasty player, but it remains on the bubble of dynasty rosters and NFL rosters uh, all the same. So he'd be the last guy that I'd consider if Sanders' injury is significant. And finally, like I do every week, I like to talk about week six trades. The thing about the, what I talk about on these podcasts, different from other podcasts that talk about trades, is I talk about trades that actually happen in the leagues that I'm a part of. And trades are really hard to grade in a vacuum. Since scoring systems are different in each league and every team has a diverse roster construction, that's why when I talk about these trades in my leagues, I give context for why the dynasty owners made the trades. I grade the trade, but in the context of what each team was attempting to accomplish. So that said, my thoughts on trades that were made in uh, in this league, or in my leagues rather, and this this week in particular, a lot of these are actually my trades because I made a good bit amount of trades this week. We have Josh Allen. Josh Allen was traded for Deshaun Watson in a 2020 third round pick. This is a trade took place in my 12 team half PPR six point per touchdown pass league. I made this trade for Allen because this was my trade. I traded for Allen. I'm four and one in the league and a very top contender. Uh, Allen in this league is a third-highest-scoring quarterback, averaging just one-tenth of a point less per game than Mahomes um, and 4.5 points per game behind Russell Wilson, so third in the league. I just recently moved Allen up in my quarterback rankings to making him number four as a dynasty quarterback, uh, while Watson moved down to number six. So they are really close. I don't see much of a difference in the in the dynasty value. But I've really grown to like Allen, and I believe that he could become uh, I believe that he could actually put this team of mine over the top this year. The third round rookie pick actually wasn't my pick, but it was a pick of the worst team in the league. So it's very likely in this 12 team league, this is going to be pick number 25. So I basically gave away Watson and pick number 25 for Josh Allen. And the team that traded for Allen um, has started acquiring future, future picks for his team after his best player, Saquon Barkley was lost for the year and he traded him Um he traded Barkley away for several first-round picks, so he's definitely switching into rebuilding mode. Watson is an awesome quarterback, and he's definitely one to build around for this team that's trying to acquire picks. Um, but Allen is great as well, and I just thought that I could exchange these quarterbacks, give away a third-round pick, and help my team for this year. Um, we'll see what happens here on Monday night. I record these podcasts uh, on Monday afternoon, so we'll see if Josh Allen can come anywhere close to what Watson did this week. I'm already regretting it a little bit the way that Watson has played uh, so well this last Sunday, but we'll see if Josh Allen can replicate it. Next trade that I made, this was another one of my trades actually, was Tyler Boyd and Eno Benjamin 
for Jamal Williams in a 2021 first round pick. So got Tyler Boyd and Eno Benjamin. I traded away Jamal Williams in a 2021 first round pick. I made this trade in my 10 team standard league. I had been a perennial contender in this league, but my team is starting to show its age this year for sure. I'm in the middle of the pack, and I really made this move to upgrade my starting wide receivers and get younger. My every week starters are Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, and either Jarvis Landry or Brandon Cooks. Um, I drafted Jalen Rager and Brian Edwards last year to get younger, but neither players made an impact due to their injuries, and even though even though they earned starting roles with their teams on week one, so it's kind of frustrating that I drafted these young guys, but they're just not really impacting my team. The team that I made the trade with in this league has been one of the best teams in the league um, for years, but really has been hit hard this year, and they've gone straight into rebuilding mode, so they're trying to acquire picks. Um, rather than doing what they're doing, I'm choosing instead to fight the season. I may end up regretting it, but I believe that adding Boyd to my lineup will give me a safer floor among my starting wide receivers, and uh, so far uh, have not been rewarded. I made this just before last Sunday, so he's had now two pretty bad Sundays for me in my starting roster. Uh, playing against Baltimore two weeks ago was understandable, but last week against Indianapolis was surprising that he didn't play well. Um, I'm sad to see T. Higgins seems to have passed him up as the number one targeted player, so I'm already starting to regret uh, this trade giving away a first-round pick to acquire Boyd. I do have um, Chase Edmonds in that league. That's why I wanted to acquire Eno Benjamin because I, you guys know that I follow. If you follow me, I'm down on Kenyon Drake, and so I feel like uh, kind of securing the rest of the backfield in Arizona is good for me. Um, was willing to give away Jamal Williams had a 21st round pick, though I'm second guessing myself now. But it's a long season. Third pick, um, third trade that went down in my league was Carson Wentz in a 2021 first round pick for Dak Prescott. Carson Wentz in a 2021 first round pick for Dak Prescott. I really mentioned this trade here to point out the value that Dak still holds in Dynasty Superflex leagues. Uh, the team that gave away Dak is 5-0 and and wanted another quarterback to replace um, as, as they push toward as they to replace Dak as they push toward the playoffs. And Wentz has not had a great start to the year. I mentioned his garbage time performance this week. Uh, but he should improve as his patch, pass catchers return from injury. He's nowhere near Dak's dynasty value, uh, which is why you could also get a first-round pick thrown into the deal. A top-tier team rarely actually drafts or trades for a first-round pick thrown into a deal, but that's exactly what happened here. That's a going rate of Dak, who's the best dynasty asset on this guy's team in a super flex league. So he traded away the best player on his team in a super flex league to get Carson Wentz and a first round pick. That's the value that Dak is holding in a super flex league. Finally, uh, one last big trade that I made in one of my leagues. This was a trade that I made. J.K. Dobbins, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Tyler Higbee I traded them away for Stefan Diggs and Johnny Smith. So J.K. Dobbins, Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyler Higby for Stefan Diggs and Johnny Smith. So I made this trade uh, in a 10-team standard league. I just really aggressively went after the two players that I thought could put my team over the top this year. I traded for Diggs and Johnny. Um, I definitely bought high. <laughs> the other owner bought low, getting Juju and Dobbins and Higby who struggled to start the year, especially after the last two weeks. 
I tried to find a trade that didn't include Dobbins because he is my 13th ranked running back, and I felt I needed to do it, but I felt like I needed to include him to get Diggs, who is actually my 9th ranked dynasty wide receiver, and Johnny, who's my 7th ranked dynasty tight end. I feel comfortable with starting running backs in this league. I've got a lot of strong running backs in this, in this league, but I really wanted to upgrade my wide receiver 2 behind my wide receiver 1, which is DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I just believe that dropping Juju and Higby, or I said I've been dropping Juju and Higby in my rankings every week this season. Juju has been surpassed in targets by Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, like I've mentioned uh, several times on these podcasts. And Higby, had really last week at least, was surpassed by Everett. Um, I was happy to trade away Juju and Higby. Like I see them as kind of falling dynasty assets. It definitely hurts to trade away Dobbins. That was That was a costly one for me. But I still like my chances in getting Stefan Diggs and Johnny Smith, both of which seem to be top 10 wide receivers and tight ends uh, for the future uh, with their teams. And so I'm excited to add two star players and to give away some fading assets, even though I had to include uh, J.K. Dobbins in the midst of it. That was kind of a bummer, but glad that I made this trade. Well, that's week six in review. That's a wrap for this week, my, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I am much better on email than I am on Twitter. So email me at dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I would be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. Help me uh, get out there, get and learn. I am an independent podcast. Would love to get some more of you uh, involved as well as get uh, some more reviews from you so that more people could find this podcast. Thanks for listening for week number six. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. <laughs>